morning, everybody. It is so nice to be here. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> um, and it's just an honor to be here to share with you this morning. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to the pastors who have given me this opportunity and um, for taking such good care of me. And uh, thank you to all of you for being here today. Um, it's extra special to be here because, as Pastor Adam was saying, um, I have a lot of roots here. Uh, my family has four generations in this church, so my great-grandparents were here, and then my grandparents, and Grandma Grace, she's still here. <laughs> and my parents grew up together in this church, and um, I was here for 13 years of my life, and so those were very foundational years for me, of course. Um, and I was under the leadership of Pastor Dale Rattan, as many of you know him so well, um, and Pastor Sean and Michelle Slonwaite, and Pastor Nathan then, when I moved into the monkey barrel years. <laughs> and, um, and then all of the Sunday school teachers and leaders that poured into me and discipled me. You know who you are, many of you are here, and so thank you. Thank you for um, the way that you invested in my life um, as a young girl. Um, so it's really special for me to be here with you today. And um, so for those of you who remember me but are wondering how I got from that 13-year-old who uh, left and moved to Kingston, um, that crazy little girl, to now an adult leaving um, to go full-time to El Salvador um, as a missionary, well, it's been a long spiritual journey and God has just been so faithful, and he's brought me through um, so much and been so good to me. Um, as we know, he is such a good God, and um, it's, I just owe everything to him. Um, I'm blessed because of him in my life. And um, so at a young age, I don't think anyone really knew this. It was something I hid in my heart. Um, around n age nine, I heard about George Mueller. Many of you probably heard about him, um, a wonderful man of faith. Um, and he had an orphanage, and I heard about him. I heard his story. And at age nine, I had this desire to one day have an orphanage or a children's home is a better word for it these days. Um, and then out of that um, grew what I felt to be a, a call to missions in my life when I was age 14. Um, I just had this this sense that God was calling me to missions. And um, so I just started praying about that. Uh, 14 years old, didn't know where, didn't know what. Um, and then I heard about this six-week summer program. Um, you had to be 16 for that. So I started learning Spanish. I started fundraising. I started preparing myself to go to Central America for six weeks, based in El Salvador, uh, learning about the countries I was going to go to. And during the, those six weeks, um, it was transformational for me um, as a 16-year-old. I knew that there was nothing else that I could do, that this was God's calling for me to um, be a missionary. Um, and so I just began to walk in what he had for me and just um, learn to walk in obedience and follow his calling for me, something that maybe I had never imagined, and now I couldn't imagine anything else. And so um, that's the journey up until then. After um, those six weeks, the next summer, I went to work with the Rattans in Honduras uh, for 10 weeks that summer when I was 17. 
and which was of obviously wonderful. Many of you have probably been there on a team and have worked in the schools and know um, that it's wonderful work that they're doing there. And I've been back um, there I, countless times since then. I, I don't even know how many times. Um, I just keep going back to visit. And uh, I came home from that, um, finished my, my college diploma, and then at age 19, I headed out um, to Honduras and then back to El Salvador for a year um, of a program called Master's Commission with a certain ministry in El Salvador. And that year, um, a great part of my ministry was done in a community called Nehapa. Now, I want you to remember the name Nehapa because I'm going to come back to that. Um, so just keep that stored away in your mind. Um, and so during that year that I was in El Salvador, I mastered the Spanish language um, and met Andy. There he is. <laughs> We're coffee and milk. It's a wonderful combination. <laughs> um, it's been a long journey for us. There's been, you know, a lot of long distance, a lot of ups and downs, but um, we're getting married two months from tomorrow, and uh, yes, <laughs> and we can say confidently that um, we truly believe that this is what God has planned for us, and um, it wasn't what either of us expected, Not we were not looking for anything, and God just puts things, unexpected things in your path when you're choosing to walk in obedience. Um, and so Andy is a very unexpected and welcome surprise to my life. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about him so you can, he's not here, unfortunately he would love to be here with you, but um, I'll tell you a little bit about him to know him a bit. He is a nurse by profession, um, but God called him into full-time ministry. And so he started, he left everything, he had a really good job, um, just was really high up in the ranks, and he left it all to serve the Lord. Um, God eventually called him into Master's Commission, the program that I was doing. That's where he trained as a pastor. Um, he was six months done his first year when I got there, um, and we developed a really good friendship during that year that I was there. And um, when I was done my first year, we started dating um, and then have been on this journey ever since. That was two years ago. So um, right now he has finished Bible school. He's a pastor, but he um, has the desire to um, continue that education for two more years to get some higher levels. So he's doing that. He's serving in his parents' church. His dad pastors a little church in a small community. And um, when I start with um, the ministry that I'm going to tell you about, he'll come alongside me. Um, we'll continue to serve in his parents' church, but he'll work alongside me a bit as well and continue his studying for the next two years. So that is Andy. Um, we both got put in our hearts um, separately and different ways, um, a dream to go reach the unreached um, in restricted access nations. And we really believe that that is where God um, will lead us eventually, further down the road. And um, so right now we're following his call to minister in El Salvador um, for at least two years. Um, and after that, likely um, for some years in Nicaragua, um, in a very rural area, it's basically an unreached people group out there as well. Um, and then just waiting for him to um, lead us in his perfect timing to go to those restricted access nations and um, to the unreached people groups that 
um, are found in those countries. So um, we are excited about what he has now and excited about what he has for the future and are just wanting to walk in obedience um, in what he has for us. So um, that's what we have, God has placed on our hearts um, for ministry. And so back to the missions journey I've been on um, after the year in El Salvador. I came back to Canada for a few months and then left for Southeast Asia and uh, was there for a little while and then I came back for around 10 days. My poor parents, <laughs> they don't get to see me much. And uh, went back to El Salvador again. I've just been back and forth since then from El Salvador. Um, I haven't spent too much time in Canada over the last three years. Um, and here I am heading back now um, full time. So since I was 14, this has been my goal, this has been my dream, and uh, to, to be in missions full-time, and now um, God has said, this is, this is your time, this is time I'm sending you to go, and I am beyond excited and um, just excited for what he has planned and what he's already doing there and coming alongside of his plan and his mission. And... Um, so through, it's kind of a, a long story, and I'll cut it short, um, but through one unexpectedly closed door and another miraculously open door, um, God has um, given us this opportunity to go back to Nehapa. Remember I told you to remember that name? It's where I worked for the year that I was in Master's Commission. Um, he's opened this door for us to go back and work in this community with the youth, at-risk youth, um, partnering with a ministry called Love and Hope, um, Love and Hope Youth Ministries. Now, I built a lot of relationships in this community when I was there, and I've continued to maintain those relationships. I've gone back to visit, and I never expected that God would be bringing me to Elsa, or to Nehapa again as a, a full-time worker. And so, to me, he has connected the dots in so many ways that I never could have done myself, never could have imagined, that no person could ever have planned out. And so it's just very amazing for me to look at everything he's doing and just be completely confident that this is where he is placing us. And um, so Love and Hope Youth Ministries, the, minis the missionaries who um, have started this ministry have been there for 12 years, and they are doing some amazing work. Um, they start by meeting some practical needs that we find in the community um, and spiritual needs. So um, before I, t I explain a little bit about how they do that, I want to tell you a little bit about El Salvador. Um, it's a beautiful country and it's had a big chunk of my heart since I was 16 and went there the first time. Um, it has gorgeous green mountains and beautiful coastlines and um, there's so much beauty about it and about the people. Um, I love the culture. I love the food. <laughs> um, and you know if you want to connect with any Salvadorian's heart you just tell them that you can make pupusas and they love you. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's a wonderful country and it's beautiful, but there are many great needs and a lot of debilitating problems. 
And we see that just walking through the streets. We see that in families. Um, you can't really escape it. Um, it's, it's not a safe place. Um, there's a lot of violence. So I'll give you some statistics to give you a little bit of an idea. So over one third of the population is under the poverty line. And apart from that one third, the rest of them mostly aren't much higher than the poverty line. Um, it's really that small percentage that has most of the wealth and the rest, you know, there's not a big middle class. The most are um, quite poor uh, materially. There are around 65,000 gang members. Now, these aren't the kind of gangs you hear about in Mississauga or Vancouver. These are violent juvenile gangs, and they basically run the communities. They basically, you know, command what's going on and charge people money um, for their businesses, and it's, it's, uh, it's basically control by fear um, and violence. So because of these gangs, the El Salvador has one of the highest homicide rates in the world, um, which is not a very encouraging thing to hear. Um, most of the gang members are quite young. As I said, it's they're juvenile gangs, and they target boys, usually age 12 and up. Um, sometimes they start with children. I know in the community that Andy's family lives in, there's a boy and he's running around. He's probably 11 or 10 and he's part of the gang. And um, he runs errands for them and keeps watch. And um, it's very heartbreaking to see that. And girls are also recruited, um, sometimes as part of the gang, sometimes as sex slaves. Um, and this is a recurring problem there's a lot of drug and alcohol addiction. Drugs are a big part of the gangs. Um, and there are a lot of fatherless homes, sometimes motherless homes as well. Some of this has to do with the homicide rate. A lot of it has to do with um, parents leaving and going to try and find um, you know, better work. And they send money back if they go to work in the States, send money back home. But we know what... Um, you know, the repercussions are to a fatherless home and, um, you know, the lack of that role model in their lives. Um, millions of children experience and witness abuse and they grow up with that trauma. And 57% uh, of all youth will drop out of school before graduating high school. And I think I saw another statistic that um, around a third or more of children won't even reach grade five. And so these are, these are very shocking statistics. It's not easy for us um, in a country that we live in to hear these kind of things. And we wonder, um, you know, what can make a difference in such a big problem? A little bit about Nehapa specifically. There are 3,800 illiterate um, adults and youth, so people who don't know how to read or write. Um, there are high rates of violence, um, poverty, all these other problems, you know, they're also prevalent in Nehapa. Um, a big thing that we see, if you've heard about El Salvador at all, or Honduras, kind of similar situation, um, it's an evangelized country. You'll see churches everywhere, but it is not a discipled country. And so that transformational aspect of the gospel and relationship with Christ and um, the change that comes with that relationship is often lacking. And so um, when that's lacking, 
there's nothing to stop all of these problems from just recurring and recurring. And, um, you know, you can have your bumper sticker that says Jesus loves you or Jesus is Lord, but what's going on in your heart, right? So that's, um, that's a big problem that we see. And there's this vicious cycle that we see over and over again. Um, so say start with one of these broken homes. There are many of them, um, as we just talked about. Um, so out of that, you get youth and children looking for love and acceptance in other places. The gangs offer a false version of that. Um, they, you know, they try to advertise themselves as family, basically, for um, lost youth and children who are looking for that, and then they get wrapped up in drugs and alcohol, violence, crime. Um, often teen pregnancies are a big problem down there, and so this just all leads to more broken homes and, you know, poverty and, and more dropouts are all just wrapped up in there, and it's just this vicious cycle that we see over and over again, and um, it seems relentless, so we can ask ourselves, well, what can stop this vicious cycle? What do we need to happen for there to be a solution to this? Well, we know that the biggest solution, um, the most simple solution, is Jesus. Amen? And um, so the ministry Love and Hope, they're working right in the center of Nehapa. Um, they start by meeting practical needs of the community. And that leads to building relationships with the youth and young adults, sometimes children, and opens the door to discipleship with them. And um, so I want to share a little story with you about a girl named Janita. She was 15 when she started with Love and Hope, and now she is age 16. Um, she was living with an aunt because her mom was an alcoholic and her father had abandoned her. Um, she had gone to, she hadn't gone to school at all. She was completely illiterate. She was selling vegetables um, to make ends meet. And um, so I have a little video made by the ministry. Um, it's, you know, you'll see. It's, uh, it's more about just sharing her story and um, how God has just come in and changed her life um, through the Love and Hope ministry. So let's watch her story. So that's a little bit about some of the practical ways that um, love and hope is meeting needs in the community. Um, it gets me every time when I see it, and she says she wants to be a math teacher. Um, that would have been something that would be even impossible for her to maybe dream when she couldn't even read and write. Um, and now she's growing and learning, and um, she may have the opportunity to study and be a math teacher. So um, just, you know, fulfill her dreams and her call the calling on her life. And um, so the literacy classes are empowering people to be independent in everyday lives. I mean, if you can imagine, if you couldn't read or write, um, if you went to the grocery store, if there's no picture on the box, well, you really don't know what you're buying. You know, that's just a simple example of how difficult it would be to live without those two basic capabilities. And um, one thing that really impacts me about um, teaching literacy is that you are also empowering people to know and experience the Word of God for themselves. Um, if they can't read or write, you might be able to listen to audios, but you can't um, look and sit and meditate on the Word of God. 
um, in the way that you can when you can read it for yourself. And so that is empowering people to do that, to rise out of their situation and um, have new opportunities. And they also mentioned education leveling, which is, um, as they said, you know, it's a lot of times for um, youth who have dropped out um, due to many reasons. A lot of youth drop out because of gang violence. Um, a lot of them because of poverty, they have to work. Um, their families make them work. Sometimes they've just never had the opportunity to have an education and so um, education leveling gives them that chance to work up to the grade that um, would be for their age, um, gain independence, rise out of poverty. It gives them hope for the future and um, it is just an incredible and empowering um, resource. Um, Love and Hope also offers tutoring. Um, you know at home these youth are not there's no one there to support them, to encourage them to stay in school, to help them with their tough homework. Um, so these are big needs if we want to support them in staying in school, not dropping out and having um, a better life and better opportunities. And it also gives them that one-on-one -on -one attention and love, um, which they're not receiving at home. And that is something that, as we know, is transformational and so powerful um, for for anyone, but especially for young people. And um, there are music classes and English classes and a lot of other resources um, that I could go on and on about the benefits and the need, um, but Love and Hope is doing such an amazing job meeting these practical needs. Janita, in this video, um, she was still working on grade six. Now she's working on finishing grade eight. Um, and she is attending the Love and Hope Youth Church and growing in her relationship with the Lord. Um, and so that is the amazing thing about um, these tools because they they meet the need um, the needs that are found in the community um, which opens the door to building a relationship with them we're loving on them through meeting that need and then integrating them into the ministry as Janita now is going to um, the Love and Hope Youth Church and then just beginning to disciple them and coming alongside of them loving them um, helping them to grow deeper in their relationship with the Lord and that is where we see change happen. Um, and that whole cycle begins to change. And it's the discipleship is the heart of Love and Hope Youth Ministries and of the PAOC, if you know much about their um, overall goals and vision and mission. Um, and it's also the call of us as Christians, all of us. Um, and if you know the verse at all, Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit, and of uh, Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all I have um, taught you. And so that is for everyone. It's for some of us who go and do it elsewhere. It's for us who stay to send those who are going. And it's for all of us to do right where we are in our communities and in our churches discipling and making disciples and making disciples who make disciples teaching them to make disciples themselves um, so this discipleship aspect well how are we doing this 
well, Love and Hope has um, their own Love and Hope Youth Church on Saturday nights, um, which is a place for, you know, it's more contemporary and it engages the interest of the youth. You know, why do we have youth group? For that very reason, you know, and it um, gathers people the same age who are walking through the same situations um, to come together and encourage one another. Um, there are weekly Bible studies, discussion groups, small groups, so um, kind of a group setting, discipleship, um, where they can grow alongside one another, know that there are other people who are also um, striving to live a life of holiness, and they're not alone in this, um, and they're being taught the Word of God. And then the thing that has impacted me so deeply about this ministry that I love so much about it is that they do one-on-one -on -one discipleship with all of the youth that are part of this ministry. And that is something that is so essential. I think it's essential for all of us to have mentors in our lives. Um, but in this situation, you know, many of us here have grown up with Christian parents who have poured into us in this situation. Many of them don't have that role model in their homes and in their lives. Um, there's no one who has, you know, taught them what is right and what is wrong and how to make good decisions and how to follow the Lord and build their own relationship with him. And so that is what we're doing with one-on-one -on -one discipleship, um, teaching them the word of God, coming alongside of them in their everyday life problems and experiences and loving on them, just pouring into them and um, with the goal of helping them develop that deep faith and relationship with the Lord, which is so essential for that cycle to be broken. Um, and as I mentioned, making disciples who make disciples. Because there's no point in your Christian walk when you are all of a sudden ready to go make disciples. Jesus gave that command to all Christians from whether you've just accepted Christ or you've been following him for 50 years, that is our mandate to make disciples. And so if you're saved yesterday, you are called to make disciples. And so I'm um, teaching these youth that they can be part of the Great Commission. They are an important part of it. They're an important part of being Jesus to their families and their, in their schools and in their communities, and which causes this discipleship work just to multiply. And that is something big that God has placed on my heart, making sure that we disciple others to disciple others as well. And um, so all of this, what we do through discipleship, it, that is what will break this vicious cycle that we have been talking about. That is what makes the change. It's not just about literacy and, and education and helping them rise out of poverty. It's about the power of Christ in their lives. And so we want to see the power of Jesus empowering them to break free from those dangerous patterns that have been modeled to them in their lives, in their homes, and um, see them rise up out of that, live a life of hope in Christ, free from the bondage of addiction and anything else that um, they've been caught up in. We know that Jesus is powerful to do that, that he's all sufficient to do that, and that is his desire to do that. That's what he came to this world for, and that's what he's all about still. And um, so I wish I could share the other stories that I know about the lives that have been transformed through love and hope. Um, God has just been using this ministry in a powerful way. Um, when I was there, um, 
right before I came back, so I came back at the beginning of April, and just before I went to um, one of their Saturday services, and it was a baptismal service, two of the teen boys were being baptized, um, just completely transformed lives. Um, during the time that they had been part of the ministry, God had been changing them, got a hold of them, and the missionaries had been able to be part of that whole process and watch the change happen in these young men. Um, and it's just a testimony to the power of God and what he is doing and how he is working, and it's that it's not hopeless. Because often we see um, youth and, and young people, you know, off going their own way um, and into bad stuff, and we think... You know, maybe it's hopeless. Maybe they're never coming back. Why would they? But it's not. Jesus is working. The Holy Spirit is working. He's doing what he's promised to do as long as we are obedient to do what um, we are called to do as well and let him work through us. And um, so I am excited to becoming a part of this ministry and this is not an easy goal to be working towards um, but it's a war that we're willing to fight because we know that Jesus adores these youth and we are called to do the same and love them and pour into them and it's a spiritual battle it's spiritual warfare there's so much darkness um, a lot of wrapped up in the gang activity, there is a lot of satanic stuff as well um, hidden deep in there. And, you know, it is a battle that we're walking into. Um, but we know the one who is mightier is with us, and um, we're trusting in him above everything. Um, so with Love and Hope, my role specifically will be uh, around about three different areas. Um, one will be a teacher in the Hope Center, so I'll be teaching things like literacy and the level, um, the education leveling, um, English classes, tutoring, all of those different kind of things. Um, I will be also um, leading and discipling the youth worship team. I'm very excited about this opportunity. It's going to be a whole new experience. I've been leading worship at my church since, I think since I was 17 or 18, um, but this is kind of a, a whole new ball game because it's not just about um, leading them and helping them play well and, you know, worshiping the Lord, but it's teaching them what it is to live a life of worship and um, discipling, discipling them along the way, um, helping them grow in their faith. And um, these are, you know, rough youth, broken people who come from a variety of different situations. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what God has planned in this area. Um, I believe it can be a really transformational area um, when we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And uh, number three, one-on-one uh, -on -one discipleship with teen girls. Um, I talked to you a lot about that already. I'm really excited um, to begin pouring into um, these girls' lives and just coming alongside of them in their life and helping them grow in the Lord, deepen their relationship with Him. And um, we feel called to make disciples by reaching, equipping, and being Jesus' love to the broken youth of El Salvador. That is our vision, that is our heart, um, and we are just honored and humbled that the Lord would open this door and place us here um, to be able to be part of what he is already doing in El Salvador, in Nejapa, 
um, we are so feel so blessed and excited. So, um, how can you be a part of this? El Salvador is a little far away here in Essex County. You can still be a part of what God is doing in El Salvador. And first, I would ask you to pray. Um, this might sound kind of cliche, but I say it anyway because it's so, so true. The finances are necessary. They're completely necessary. I can't get there without it, but the prayers are what really fight the battles. And as I said, it's, a, it's spiritual warfare. It's a, a war we're fighting, a battle we're in. And I need the prayers of people to be on my side fighting with me and um, just fighting against the powers of darkness that are at work in El Salvador and around the lives of these youth. And um, also, I would invite you today to partner with me in ministry. Um, we are prayerfully looking for people who will um, help us and support us monthly, partner with us financially in ministry, and invest in um, the lives of these youth and what God is doing in them in El Salvador. Um, we have to have our funds by August. I leave August 6th, so there's about a month and a half left, and um, we want to invite you to be a part of that and to invest in what God is doing down there and in changing the lives of at-risk and broken youth in El Salvador. Um, so as Pastor Adam already mentioned, at the back I have my table. Um, there are pledge cards there. It's an easy way um, to um, just let me know that you want to partner monthly. Um, there are also prayer cards back there. Um, put it on your fridge uh, so that you see us every day and are reminded to pray for us. Um, just remember how much we need your prayers. And um, also, I have some fun stuff back there that's all made in El Salvador, and you can come check it out and um, bring something fun home or a gift for somebody. Um, but just once again, thank you so much for having me today. It's such an honor and privilege to be able to share with you. I hope that you feel excited with me as I do about um, what God is doing and the plans that he has, what he's already doing, and what he's going to continue to do in El Salvador and um, I appreciate your support and your prayers. Um, thank you, Pastor Adam, Pastor Brent, who's not here, but um, who's given me this opportunity. And um, may God bless you.